Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Ficini. We're presented by CLNS Media. Today on the show, Cole Zwicker is here. Uh, we got a gift from the gods right before we were about to start recording. Magic Johnson decided to give us his list of his 60 favorite movies ever. And it is just beautiful. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Nike Basketball Academy, which I was at this past week slash weekend out here in Southern California. Uh, We're going to talk about Michael Porter Jr. making just a wild decision uh, earlier on Snapchat. And I don't know. I'm sure that we'll bounce around from there. Cole, what's going on, man? Yeah, it was kind of a laid back day and all of a sudden we just got some gems. So this is definitely the down part of the offseason as far as content and uh, Magic Johnson in particular is helping us out with that. Magic Johnson is a savior. Uh, <laughs> I, I just want to. So he decides in honor of my 60th birthday tomorrow, I put together a few lists of top favorites. First up, top 60 films. So he puts The Godfather at number one. Totally reasonable, right? Then... He proceeds to list them in alphabetical order with some exceptions, and it ends with Triple X, which I presume is the movie that Vin Diesel stars in, where like that was made at the height of the action sports craze. Uh, I just want to ask you, where do you want to go with the beauty of the Magic Johnson list? How much money do you have to have to put triple triple X on your top sixty list? (laughs) It's just such an it's like an all time flex to me. Like, there's no way that movie would be in like my top five hundred, and nobody else can get away with doing that. Like, you just you can't. But I've seen that movie like three times. There's there's no there's no but no regular human being can put triple X on your top sixty and not just get destroyed. And that's what makes this list so beautiful. Is like legitimately, I was stunned when I saw that in this list. I got the fifty seven. It's like Top Gun. Okay, here we go good list i don't really care about the rest you look at triple x you're like literally what the fuck (laughs) yeah we've got some just beauties here and then additionally in number 31 he places the born identity which is very clearly (laughs) like out of alphabetical order my theory on this is that uh he thought the movie was called the jason (laughs) born identity oh my god because it fits with the j-a there like the reason that it's not like identity comma the born is because he has iron man at 30 so if the word if he thought the first word was identity he would have had it ahead of iron man i think that he thought it was jason born or the jason born identity or the jason born movies put it there and then decided just not to move it because fuck it this is a great list no, absolutely. That was, a, that was a great catch. I completely glossed over that. Uh, 47 Rush Hour. It's a really strong choice. I'm really glad he put Rush Hour in this. Not something I would probably put in my top 60, but I love that movie. So that one stands out to me. Yeah. Uh, the fact that Sparkle is also out of place <laughs> throws me. I have never seen Sparkle, so I don't I know. Uh, I, I don't know what the move is there. Okay, so what do we feel about Bad Boys, the original, over Bad Boys 2? Because this one was kind of... uh, I went up in arms about this one. I'm going to be honest with you. I am not the biggest fan of the Bad Boys movies. They're fine. Like, don't get me wrong. Uh, If it's on TNT, like back when I had cable, (laughs) I'd be like, okay, sure, I'll toss it on. But like, 
I could go the rest of my life without seeing a bad boys movie. <laughs> yeah, I feel you there. Um, I, I like him. I'm much more preferential to the second one. I was kind of curious that he included the first, but that seemed, that seemed to be kind of the going trend here is including the first one in a series when he could, but uh, I, I enjoyed that. My, my man is going full. I am a 60 year old rich person by tossing <laughs> green book on here. So that, that was nice. Uh, it's just, it's a beautiful list. It is, honestly, there's some good underrated ones, like A Bronx Tale is on here, uh, underrated movie. We've got, uh, let's see, let's go to the second page here. Um, let's see, Love and Basketball, I think is a you know really underrated movie. Rush Hour, really great movie. Uh, not in my top 60, like you said, but excellent. Uh, Top Gun, I think, is going to be a controversial move in the top 60. I, I really do. Top Gun, you're the resident Top Gun expert, so give me the take as to why it should be. I mean, just the, uh, I actually watched that again the other night, so I'm not the most unbiased source here. I, I just think it was kind of a classic, and it, it just it's timeless. Like you can watch it, I can watch it like routinely. Like, I've seen it like like six, seven times now, and it never gets old for me. So it's just one of those movies that stands out. I would assume relative to the age as well. I mean, obviously, I was like, you know, I wasn't even born when it came out, but uh, it's. It's something that I always go back to. It's, it seems to be kind of a generational thing where even like my father would watch that as well. And it's just, I don't know. It, it Like the other day I was on the, I was on the Lake Washington. We were like viewing all of these, like we have this Seafair festival or something. And we had like the Blue Angels fly overhead and stuff like that. And like somebody just literally rolled up to like a boat party of like 120 boats, like blaring Top Gun, like blaring <laughs> Danger Zone. And it's like, this is why this movie is the fucking shit. <laughs> I love that. That is, that is a party right there i mean you're talking to someone who is like i've seen something like uh i don't even know man uh it's it's got to be nearing a hundred movies that i've never seen before this year um and i keep a list of them all Uh, i don't rank them in terms of like where i have them in comparison to one another overall but i do give them all letter grade and have them in like the order of the letter grade within my list uh so so as someone who is like that obsessive about movies i am here for magic johnson uh creating his own top 60 list i I think that is fantastic (laughs) yeah i'm nowhere near that level of movie buff uh i just go for entertainment for the most part like really good movies always stand out and stuff like i rewatched *Inglorious bastards the other night and i was like jesus this is great it's so good yeah and glorious bastards i think is i got in this conversation on twitter um after uh once upon a time in hollywood came out but i think *Inglorious bastards is like very clearly in tarantino's top two uh to me it's like pulp fiction and *Inglorious bastards it's not like pulp fiction then *Inglorious bastards like they are 1a and 1b to me i think they're both just exceptional I got to see Pulp Fiction again. Honestly, I, I don't think I've seen that in over a decade. So I got to go back and watch that. It's just as good as what you remember. And it all holds up. Like just, just the so. conversational nature of it, the vignette nature of it. It all just holds up so beautifully. Have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet? No, I'm really bummed. I, want, I, I instead saw Lion King and that was a tragic mistake on my part. That was just <laughs> a total nightmare. So I, I'm going to go see that probably, I want to say this weekend. Yeah, that's uh, behind John Wick 3 and Booksmart. That is, for me, the third best movie of 2019 so far uh, that I've seen. I've seen most of the big releases this year. Um, Like, there are a few that I'm missing, but for the most part, I've gotten to see them all. And yeah, it's really, really good. They're both just... All right, it's just... 
it's slow and drags in parts, but like there are scenes within it that hold up with like the absolute best of Tarantino. That's awesome. You're the kind of guy that like goes to premieres, right? Like you go to like the night of, oh, like, not, yeah, not yeah, yeah. but you do. Yeah. Yeah. Like I will, like I did once upon a time in Hollywood Thursday night. I did, um, we did Midsummer the Friday that it came out. Um, Avengers was a Thursday night viewing. John Wick was a Thursday night viewing. Um, Us was a Friday. During the NCAA tournament, I actually skipped out on Friday of the NCAA tournament during the day to go see Us. Um, that That's how committed I am to this uh to this premiere movie life. That's an incredible flex by you there <laughs> with the tournament. So yeah, I don't, I can't remember the last time I've seen the premiere, like the night of it might go back to like maybe senior high school or something. It's been a while. Yeah. Like I saw Stuber the week that it came out uh, okay. on the Friday. Uh, th- that, that's where we're at. We saw dark Phoenix the night that it came out. That was a mistake. Um, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, uh, we're Laura and I are about that movie life. Child's Play, we saw that the week that it came out. Um, yeah, it's a, it's just like something for us to do. Like we live in the middle of Hollywood. We're by, we're within like three miles of, like for instance, the Chinese Theater and this really good like uh, art, not even art house because it shows movies like John Wick and stuff like that, but uh, theater that gets you know, independent releases. We're very close to the Grove, which has a really great movie theater. So it's just very easy. We're very close to like Universal Studio, uh, that theater up at City Walk. So like, it's just so easy for us to go to movies. And now that AMC Stubbs exists, like, you know, I, I think the I think the count that we're up to now is like, we've seen 24 movies in theaters this year or something like wow. that. That's freaking impressive, dude. Like, honestly, I think I'm at like five, maybe. <laughs> yeah, like the the AMC Stubbs thing is just clutch in every way. It is so, so valuable. Like, it might be the most valuable thing on like a monetary basis in Laura and I's life. It's either that or the Nespresso machine. <laughs> there you go, man. All right, let's uh, let's get rid of Magic Johnson's list and let's uh, let's jump into Nike Basketball Academy. So I was at Nike Basketball Academy this weekend. Uh, I got a chance to see a lot of really uh, really talented players, uh, led probably by uh, Cole Anthony. I would say is the uh, he was the main attraction, so to speak. And then from there, uh, I also got to see a bunch of guys like Obi Toppin, who played really well, and Khalil Whitney, who was better than I expected, and uh, Yudoka Azubuke. Yudoka Azubuke now has a six-pack. I am just full-on calling that out. It is uh, ridiculous how good a shape that guy is in starting this season. So I am excited to talk about this with you as someone who was not there because I think that you'll be able to maybe uh, give us the non-small sample size look. (laughs) Yeah, I can try to do that for most of these guys. Some of the incoming freshmen I haven't seen a lot of tape of yet, but I think I have a gist of most of these guys. Yeah, and of course this event as well. Uh, it's one where you also get to see high school kids. And I just have to start with like the best story from Nike basketball Academy. I tweeted it out. Um, Rashid Wallace is one of the coaches at Nike basketball Academy, right? Uh, he was there last year. I got told that I didn't go last year. Um, for whatever reason, they were like weird about media going in, 
But I got told last year he got kicked out of a game for like arguing with the referees, which of course, right? Rashid Wallace does that. <laughs> but seriously, in this, like, it was Friday at Nike Basketball Academy. He's coaching a team with Imani Bates and Paulo Bonchero and all of these really high level players. Patrick Baldwin was on his team. And he is like leaning on the refs, talking to them, chirping them constantly at an academy event like where these kids are there and he's like working the refs like it's game seven of the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers. It's unbelievable. It was awesome. It was so cool to watch. That's the kind of hustle I'm here for. So good on Sheed there. Yeah, like he uh, just got a job recently as a high school coach. He is going to be an exceptional high school coach. Like he, he legit gives such a shit about these kids and gives such a shit about being... That's awesome. uh, like giving back like he has a hundred million dollars like he doesn't need to be doing this but like he genuinely seems like he has the attitude where he wants to give back and wants to like make these kids the absolute best he can be or they can be uh it, it was genuinely like very very impressive to me and i it's not that i didn't have respect for rasheed wallace ahead of time but like being close to him like seeing him in person seeing the way he interacted with the kids he was like kind of shit talking kids on the other team too i, I gained an immense <laughs> amount of respect for Rasheed Wallace just for his the amount that he cares about it. Yeah, and Rasheed has fringe put triple X on your top sixty list money. So like he's right. He's definitely sitting well. I've always been a fan of him. Like he's he's always been entertaining. It's good to hear like he actually gives a shit. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, like it's it's not that he's there for the wrong reasons. He's there to legit help kids. And like I mean he Rasheed Wallace has he can be a producer on triple X money. Like if he wants to, <laughs> uh, and here he is like coaching high school kids and being all about it. Like he, he made $158 million in his career. And look, I, I don't know what Rashid's spending habits were necessarily, but like, uh, he, uh, yeah, it, it was great. It was really, really great to see him be the kind of person that, uh, helps these kids and like does a great job of it. And like, I'm not going to name names, but like, during some portions of the event, you could see some of the other coaches start to like glaze over and then like walk over and like start to have conversations with parents and stuff like that. Or like people around the NBA scouts that they knew that shit wasn't flying with Rashid. He was just there to <laughs> be about the kids. It was great. Yeah, it's awesome, man. So let's talk about the kids. So I'll, I'll give you the rundown on the college kids that were in attendance. We've got Cole Anthony, Kira Lewis, Scotty Lewis, O'Shea Agbaji, uh, Peyton Pritchard, Antoine Davis, who I actually didn't get to see. Uh, I'm not sure what happened there. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Bryce Aiken, Khalil Whitney, Cassius Winston, Joel Ntambwe, uh, Desmond Bain, Jay Scrub, Charles Bassey, Tyler Bay, Mamadi Diakite, Tanner Ngom, Trace Tinkle, uh, Stephen Enoch, Reggie Perry, Sadiq Bey, Obi Toppin, Yudoka Azubuke, and Killian Tilly. Uh, we're going to start with Cole Anthony, and then I'll kind of let you jump around to who you want to talk about. But uh, sure. is there anyone other than Cole who really stands out to you there? Look at that. I mean, all, all these names are known. Like, we've seen Halliburton a lot. He played in FIBA. 
Charles Bassey has had his fans. We are not as high on him on this podcast. Uh, Killian Tilly, everybody he knows was, the story with him. I, I will say this about Bassey. We'll talk about him a little bit more, but he was not very good at this event. Okay. Yeah, that's, that doesn't surprise me. And Obi Toppin is someone we should definitely get to because I know he has some fans in the draft community, just guys that have seen him in Dayton and have some intrigue there. I have some thoughts. I've watched a little bit of his film. I've seen like two or three games about three weeks ago, but uh, we should definitely start with Cole just because I think that's where you kind of have to start this draft conversation. Yeah, Cole Anthony is a guy that I think is pretty, I don't know if I want to say universally, but at this stage, he is considered to be a likely top, I would say three or four pick in this upcoming NBA draft. It's him, it's James Wiseman, it's Anthony Edwards. Um, You know, some people will throw a couple other names at you, like uh, Denny Avdia, Teo Maladon. There are other guys that are internationals that I think are interesting, even a couple other high school kids, like Isaiah Stewart, that are pretty interesting. But for the most part, the consensus going into this event was that Cole Anthony, James Wiseman, and Anthony Edwards are the top tier. Would you disagree with that assessment? Not as it refers to Cole. Like, I think Cole right now is my number one guy. I'm always reluctant to do tiers this early just because I don't have like a great, great feel. But Cole's definitely my number one. I think I would probably put Anthony Edwards in that tier as well, even though I kind of go back and forth on that. He's just really young. There's a lot of athletic speed to power upside. We can talk about that in the future. But I think it would be those two guys maybe in the top tier. I'm not as high on Wiseman from my sample. Um, but Cole's definitely one for me. Like right so, now, until somebody, somebody has to knock him out of that spot for me to move on him. So here's what I would say about Wiseman right now. And I'm sure we'll get more into the weeds on Wiseman as the season gets closer. But with James Wiseman, I was someone who, when I went back and watched a bunch of tape and had seen him live previously uh, to this spring, I was like you, I was not really a fan of his. I think that sometime from what I was told, like around January or so, once he put on more strength, once he put on, uh, a kind of more of like a defensive mindset, I started to become a bigger fan of his. Uh, at the events like Hoop Summit and uh, McDonald's All-America, he was he looked like genuinely among the best defensive prospects I've ever scouted in my life. He has those tools and he seemed to finally have it click in in terms of mentality that he can be that guy. So uh, I understand the skepticism that people have for James Wiseman based off of the sample because he's been a well-known prospect basically from like 2016 onward through now. But given that that sample wasn't super high or given that we have a lot of sample of him being pretty questionable, I get why people are a little bit questionable of him and I'm comfortable being maybe a little bit higher than some people are. Yeah, that's fair, honestly. And he was impressive at the Hoop Summit. And I watched that game and that was noticeably the best I've ever seen him play. I watched a game probably a week ago when he played Prolific, I think in December. And if you would have dropped me into that game and I would have known nothing about James Wiseman, there is no way I'd ever think this guy is a number one pick candidate based on anything other than just being huge and, and being long. Like, there's nothing he did in that game that was suggestive of him being the number one pick. But like you said, that occurred in, in December. Like, if he's turned a corner defensively, like, maybe Hoop Summit indicated he was. And this is a very small sample for me, so I, I'm not going to speak to that. If he has done that, then I would be much more interested in him. But the guy I saw uh, wasn't that physical. Um, I think yep. he, he kind of lost his head in this game a little bit. But offensively, this is a guy who plays like he thinks he's Kevin Durant. Yeah, and like he's just taking a bunch of step back long twos. And it's like, that's a problem. I, I will uh, even go a step further than that. I've asked him like who he models his offensive game after. And he's told me Giannis. And that is concerning. He's not that. 
Um, he is, you know, like to me, like Miles Turner offensively, because I do think he's going to be able to be like a pick and pop thread who can knock down shots from distance and like eventually iron out that consistency. But also he's going to be best around the basket where he can be like a roll threat. Like imagine like Miles Turner shot paired with Clint Capella's like rim running ability. I think that that's what his eventual offensive role is going to be once he figures out that he can't do this like two dribble step back bullshit. Yeah, and I mean, his shooting percentages aren't very good as far as like free throw percentage. Like when I've seen him shoot, like he brings the ball over his head sometimes. And it's just, I don't know about the consistency. Like Miles Turner was a good shooter even in college. So if he can get to that level, if he can show that touch, I I get it. And I get why he's saying this stuff about Giannis and and like players like that. He wants to be a perimeter big because that's what the league is coveting these days is they want, you know, skills at that position. They want you to attack off the dribble, want you to space. So I get him having that approach to his game, but you still have to play like a big sometimes too. You can't just take step back twos like long two fadeaways when you're not that good of a shooter. You know what I mean? Like you're just wasting your talent. Like you still have to do big man things. And if he's going to do that inside and he's going to mix it up defensively, if he's going to protect the rim like he did at the hoop summit, then I will change course on him pretty quick. It's just from what I've seen. Like I've, I've seen some of Cole's play too, EYBL and stuff. And some of that was even questionable. Like I think Cade Cutting yeah. is clearly better than both of these guys. Like he's the guy that I was like, oh, that yeah. guy's the fucking man. Yeah. No, like, and even, we'll, t- we'll talk about yeah. Cade later on. Because Cade was at Nike Basketball Academy and he was a fucking stud. Yeah, so he's like the guy that pops the most for me. I, I, I really like Cole, but even sometimes when I watch him, it's like he doesn't marry perfectly how to create, when to create for others, when to create for himself. He's still kind of learning that natural ability. But at least I saw the upside with him. You know, you could see why he'd be considered the number one pick, especially when you look at his stats too. Like his shooting indicators are incredible. It, it, look, it doesn't look as good on film because he has that exaggerated left shot line, but he still brings it back to the center. And, he, and he, his shot, I think, is bankable. Uh, so I at least got it with him. I got it with Anthony Edwards as far as the speed to power. He looks like six. 230 pound Dennis Smith to me as far as on the floor like he's, his explosion I, I will say he's like 6'4 6'5 he's not that big. Okay. okay well he looks like that on film but maybe yeah like 6'4 yeah. 6'5 just enormous like he's his frame's incredible he's super young you saw him you know benching I think Tom Crean uh, tweeted that out the other day he just looks massive so i got the i got the intent there so if wiseman's gonna be more of this defensive guy now if he's gonna play more like a big then i could probably turn the corner on him too but i'm just pretty damn skeptical based on what i've seen yeah i think that's all reasonable let's talk about cole uh at this event and i've seen cole a lot you know i've seen him at uh, mcdonald's i've seen him at hoop summit i've seen him at eybl events like i've seen cole live quite a bit now and I have always been a lot more impressed than some other people are. Like there are people who really question whether or not he is going to be an NBA lead guard. And I don't have those questions personally. Like I I think he is going to be at the very least like a league average starting NBA guard because his ability to gain separation, his footwork is exceptional. The tightness of his handle is really good. He just understands how to play in pick and rolls already. I think, Like, I still think he's an underrated passer. Like, some people still question that ability of his. Like, you should have seen him at this event. Like, he was diamond all sorts of guys, like, all over the court. Like, he was finding cutters with little pocket passes, finding rollers with little pocket passes. Um, He has the Dame, like, sidestep, uh, you know, 
jumper down now where he can get a ton of separation on those. Ultimately, the biggest thing for me is like, is is he going to shoot it at a high level? Uh, he does have like the very short follow through, which is weird. He generally just kind of has short arms, which I think is going to lead to some interesting uh, situations for him in general in regard to like being able to get separation uh, against elite level length. But like, I, I think he is awesome. Like to me, he is just very clearly uh, a level ahead of like a lot of these guys in this class. Yeah, I feel the same way. And when I say like blending the game, I'm talking about high level stuff like a Trey Young or a Luca. Those guys just have a really innate ability to blend passing and scoring. And with Cole, it's a little bit more black and white to me as far as like when he can do both really well. Like I do think he's an underrated passer. He can make the reads, but it's just about blending that more consistently when you're on yeah. the floor. It, like, that, but that's more like ceiling level stuff, right? We're talking about like I think he's going to be a lead guard. He has everything you look for. I mean, he's explosive. He good first step. He, he consistently beats his man. He has a good handle. I trust the pull up game, even though again I think the only limitation is he doesn't have like a center shot line. So when he brings it up, it just kind of looks weird. Like if, if he had a that if he brought it up more towards the inside of his body, I think it would be expedited and it would look a little bit better. His touch is good. I mean you don't see guys that have his level of shooting inputs again like looking at free throw percentage eybl in high school he's like 88 89 percent like you don't see guys like that that don't shoot the ball at the next level like i don't think that's ever been the case it's really really hard to shoot that well so i'm not really worried about that i think it's gonna be dynamic i think he's gonna have i guess three level scoring ability he's one of the few guys in this class that really has that dynamic ability on the ball like there's a ton of lead guards they're not really like Cole, though. They're not that explosive. They lack a component. He has basically the entire package outside of, I would say, like high-level decision-making. Yeah, and here's the other thing, too. Like, this dude is kind of a motherfucker on the floor. Like, that kid yes. plays hard as shit. Uh, he rebounds the ball really well for his position, despite being, like, six foot two. <laughs> he, like, really gets after it. He dives on the floor, uh, even in events like this. Uh, defensively, he really kind of attacks at the point of attack. He's a really, really just well-rounded prospect, in my opinion. Like, I, I don't I don't really get the concerns that people have, to be honest. Like, I, I think that, like, people are, like, questioning, like, is he going to have, like, an impact as great as Kobe White this year? I don't even think it's going to be close. Like, it's not going to be close. <laughs> he's going to bloke what Kobe White did this year out of the water. He's going to average, like, 20 points and five or six assists a game and you know maybe it might not be like super high level efficiency but that dude's gonna create all over the court in that open floor offense yeah uh, he, he's gonna if that's people's expectation like he might not even meet kobe white he's gonna blow the absolute fucking doors off of that like he's gonna be much better than kobe white like it, there's not even a comparison at this level as far as their maturity like what they can do on the floor athleticism like Cole's slashing ability is legit like he's gonna get to the rim and he, that's he's gonna be able to finish around these guys he's strong i a little bit of questions about the defense more of like an effort thing doesn't have great length but at least he's strong and he's not really really small he's not like 5'11 or 6 foot so that he has no, that he, going he's for like him. built he came in like almost yeah. around he came in at almost 190 at this event yeah so I, I think there's a lot here I mean there's a my differentiation if you're calling him I'm not saying you are but maybe some people think that he's like a generational type prospect I don't think he's that but I think right. he's really good right no I agree with you like I don't think he is some like unbelievable lead guard prospect but I do think that like he is very clearly uh at the top of the heap and like very clearly in the top tier of this draft uh he is he's an awesome player in my opinion he is just terrific um let's talk about do you, is there anyone that interests you I will say let's let's start there I asked you that question we can 
I'll, I'll give you the next pick on who we talk about. Let's do Scotty Lewis. This is someone mm. who I haven't seen quite as much of. Um, I, I've seen enough to know what he is. How, how did he shoot the ball here? How, like, what is his confidence level on his shot? Like, what, what's going on there? So the shot is still coming along. It is more consistent in terms of trajectory from what I saw. Like sometimes you flatten it out a little bit. Sometimes it'd be a little bit moonbally. Uh, the trajectory on the shot in the arc looks a lot better now, but it's still not falling with like super high level consistency or anything. The bigger thing for me with Scotty on offense was like on Thursday when I was there, he was Bazzy. Like he was uh, trying to make too many things happen, turn the ball over. And, yep. uh, you know, the handle wasn't as tight as what you were hoping for in tight spaces. Um, he always defends super well. Like it was hilarious. Like he really got after it against dudes like DeMar DeRozan and Bradley Beal whenever he had to uh, lock those guys up. And honestly, like he did a really good job against those guys. They're playing at like 50%. They aren't going as hard as... Uh, all these college kids are by any stretch of the imagination. And like Bradley Beal, for instance, was like kind of working on like a step back jumper. Right. But Scotty like really got after it. And like DeMar was having fun. Like he was smiling the whole time. And Scotty and him were like going back and forth to the point where at the end of a game, DeMar DeRozan had a free throw to win it on Thursday. And I looked at Scotty because he was standing next to him on the line. I knew he was going to say something. I couldn't hear what he said. But he very clearly said something to DeMar DeRozan uh, that I don't know if it like got in DeMar's head. DeMar obviously wasn't like super <laughs> locked in mentally or anything. But he said something. DeMar missed it. And he just looks back at Scotty and smiles. Like he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you got me. Uh <laughs> it's still more of like a the the idea behind Scotty Lewis as a prospect is more that he has this unbelievable athleticism and unbelievable length. He came in with a seven foot one wingspan. Um, and then beyond that, it's that he is this like cult of personality. Um, he is just infectious in a lot of ways. Like he's great to be around. His teammates seem to like him. He actually got hurt uh, on the last day of the camp on Friday. Um, they had to like bring out a stretcher and stuff like for him. Um, he uh, tried to go up and it was like a perfect microcosm of the Scotty Lewis experience with like 10 minutes left in the camp. Sadiq Bay gets like this transition opportunity to dunk and Scotty Lewis tries to chase him down for a blocked shot that he has like 10% of a chance of getting. And he like comes down hard on his neck and head and uh, he's fine. Like everything is good. Like he's only going to miss, you know, like a week or two from what I understand. But uh, it, it was just like the ultimate microcosm of how this dude just always plays hard. He defends his ass off. He has all of these tools. Um, and I think that teammates are going to love to be around him, but like skill wise, there's a ways to go here. Still uh, decision-making, he can make really good passes and he made a lot of great passes. Um, and had like blew by some defenders pretty easily just due to his athleticism in a straight line. But there's still a, like ways to go in terms of decision making, in terms of uh, just tightening everything up offensively to where like he would be a pretty drastic negative in an NBA game right now offensively. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with him. Like I love the fact he plays hard. He's super fast. Like you notice him like at McDonald's right when I started watching that game. You just notice his speed on the floor yeah. is like legitimately plus. Like he's he's I, an I elite like, level athlete. Yes, and like I think he's not really a flash player because again you do see the consistency on defense with effort and stuff like that. But I think 
from an offensive standpoint, he's a little bit of a flash guy. Like you'll see some highlight tapes where he has, he'll have like a quick dribble spin move, and you'll see the athleticism. You're like, holy shit, why isn't this guy a top five pick? But when you watch him more, the consistency as far as his skill application just isn't there. He's gonna have to shoot. Um, we'll see how the handle is in tighter confines. Can he run a pick and roll? Uh, hopefully, he can answer some of these questions. Like Florida is incredibly deep this year. They're gonna be really, really good. I, I hope we see him in enough creation situations to where we can really analyze that aspect of his game. Yeah, I've got Florida to win the national title at like, uh, I forget what the number is. It's something ridiculous. Like it might be like 60 to one. Uh, I am I am all in on the Florida Gators this year. Yeah, I am too. And I, Scotty's not even my favorite prospect on the Gators. So that's like, I really like that team a lot. Wait, who's your favorite prospect on Florida? Trey Mann? Yes. Explain. I, I mean, again, I've, you have to contextualize this and say I've only seen about a game and a half of AAU and a bunch of extended like 12-minute highlights. But like I probably saw 10 of them because I wrote a piece on him last week for the Stepien. Ended up being about 20 minutes. I think this guy is incredibly skilled. And he doesn't get enough credit for that. I think he could be an elite shooter. I think we're talking about probably the second best pull-up shooter or the best pull-up shooter in this class as far as quickness of release. I watch his game stylistically. He can dribble with either hand, really tight ball handling control. Um, I think he's an underrated passer as far as making some kind of drop-off reads. He showed some creativity there. It's it's always hard to analyze decision-making in a very limited sample. So I'll hold off on that. But just from a shooting standpoint, this guy's like 30-foot range. He can shoot off the dribble, off the catch, off motion. He reminds me a lot of Darius Garland, frankly, stylistically, but he's a much better leaper. Like, he can actually get up and dunk. Like, Darius isn't doing that. So I I look at that and I say, like, he's not even mocked in most sites. I don't know if that's because people don't expect him to be a one-and-done, but there's a lot of skill overlap with someone like Garland to me. Yeah, there's a... So the question with Trey is... How much is he going to get a chance to be their lead guard this year because of Nemhard being there? Um, yes. I would venture Nemhard is probably their starting point guard. They could still run out lineups with like Nemhard, Trey Mann, Scotty Lewis, Keontae Johnson, and like Kerry Blackshear, right? Uh, they can run out lineups with one of those two, Scotty Lewis, uh, Noah Locke, Keontae Johnson, Kerry Blackshear, or they can throw Kerry Blackshear at the four and play like yep. Omar Payne at the five. Uh they're a really fun team. Like, I think they're going to be awesome. Um, again, I, I have them. They, they are a team that I have a financial interest in this year. So <laughs> I am strongly looking forward to rooting for them. Yeah, and again, this Trey thing is kind of like a little bit premature because it's based on a small sample, but I, I was blown away. Like He's one of the guys where I watched and I was like, why isn't it was the biggest gap between perception and what I actually value him as like his skill level. I think he's going to surprise people like he was doing like wrong foot, wrong hand finishes at McDonald's like in skill practices like he beat. He turned the corner on like Mannion or Tyrese Maxey. He was just showing like good pass with both hands. It's just I don't know. There, there's a lot more there. He has to get stronger. He, he's got kind of a thinner frame. You watch him next to Maxey. He's got those wider shoulders and you're like he's got to put on some weight like from an explosion standpoint he's not going to blow you away with first step i think it's okay he's quicker than he gets credit for but not like he's not cole anthony obviously as a slasher so i want to see how he gets to the rim how like what situations he's in can he finish at the rim but his touch from what i've seen is really really good and again we're talking about someone who's been like a high 80s free throw shooter like over 36 from the three-point line and these aren't easy shots like he's taken a ton of like really long shots in high school that i was seeing so i'm really impressed i think his skill level is up there at the top of this class all right so let's just move to uh another freshman then i think that it was the last freshman uh that was at this event it is khalil whitney so i've been a little bit more skeptical of where Whitney is in his development right now, just in general, right? Like, it's not that I don't understand the upside. Like this is a kid that is a ridiculous athlete at six foot six with a seven foot wingspan. That'll play. Right. But 
in terms of his overall skill level as a handler, as a shooter, I have pretty real questions. Do you have any preconceived thoughts about uh, Khalil Whitney before I go into why I really liked him at this event? No, no. Um, I haven't seen as much of him outside, of course, of just the ridiculous dunks he has on like warmups and stuff. Like he's a freak show, like run and jump athlete. But I have not seen enough of his game to, to weigh in. So here's what I will say: the freak show athleticism like plays up. Like that dude is nasty as an athlete. He is uh, like the he looked more like an NBA wing than like stanley johnson out there who was playing with them in these scrimmages right like and stanley johnson is well built he is six foot five with long arms and is like 240 pounds Khalil whitney is a big dude and the explosiveness it's just there man like it is readily apparent he has it is like a first step in straight line drives he has it uh exploding off of like one foot when he wants to going up for a dunk it's all there and the length is there when he really wants to defensively, he can be a pest and a menace. Like he was causing issues for DeMar DeRozan too, uh, in a way that was surprising to me. Now, the shooting consistency is a real worry. Uh, he is not a great shooter yet. The mechanics aren't bad. He brings it a little bit too close to his face, I think. Uh, or like brings it a little bit cl- too close to his head, I would say, more than his face. Uh, he does have a high release point. But I... And I also think that, like, the handle is a concern. He's really good in a straight line, but he doesn't have any real wiggle right now. Like, there's there's just not much there uh, in terms of, you know, him being uh, someone that can, you know, go right to left and get by a guy, right? And then additionally, whenever he gets, like, tight pressure at the point of attack, he can kind of, like, stumble with the ball in his hands a little bit. Having said that, he is, like, a... If, if it comes together this year at Kentucky, he's, like, an outside chance for... a to be like a top five pick like that. That dude has everything that you're looking for from a wing player in today's NBA. Like there's a ways to go. And whenever I do my mock draft, he'll be at like 14, 13, something like that preseason. But if you told me that like he figured out the jump shot, he averaged 16 points a game. And it's just like this total freak show athlete, six, six, with a seven foot wingspan and NBA teams really buy into the projectability. I would not be surprised by that at all. I mean, he definitely has that kind of athleticism. If it plays functionally on on the floor, you're going to see the allure from teams. Like, how well does he know how to play basketball? Like, what's his field level? Yeah, it's hard to tell in events like that for sure. But, you know, his footwork is really good. He tends to make pretty good decisions. (laughs) His big thing is that you could tell that there was a flip switched at one point where DeMar DeRozan, like, kind of pissed him off a little bit because he was like kind of toying with him on one possession like trying to get separation from him and Khalil like kind of blocked the shot and he just went like started yelling at him like not in this house and stuff like that and DeMar's like laughing it off like again not taking it super seriously like I feel like a lot of this conversation has been me been me like shitting on DeMar DeRozan and I don't mean it that way (laughs) DeMar was seriously like just out there to have fun but like After that moment, you saw Khalil go into, like, overdrive and really start to attack shit. Like, he was really going at everyone on the floor. He tried, he got in front of, or DeMar DeRozan got in front of him. He tried to drive DeMar and, like, posterize him angrily. Uh, He missed the dunk, but, like, that, it was just, like, a different level once he got it engaged. I would like to see that more. If he starts to, like, really engage and figure out, oh, holy shit. 
I am more athletic than everyone on the court. I can do this consistently. The sky genuinely is the limit. Like he has a real chance to be really, really good. But it, it a lot of it, I think, is mental. How would you compare him to Precious Achua? Um, I think Achua is more of like a combo big who plays super hard. Whereas yeah. Whitney is more of like a, like potentially even a true wing uh, who can drive in a straight line, knock down shots and be super athletic. Can he, can Whitney shoot off the dribble? Uh, yeah, he can get to his pull-up game. Like it's okay. like the rest of his shot, it's pretty inconsistent, but like the footwork to get into his pull-up game and the balance is not bad, but it, okay. it's more the shot needs to improve. Got it. Yeah. I have to watch more on that. I'm just curious if he's going to be like a pure wing, assuming he's not like a great passer, which I would have been told about by now, is, likely. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that you're looking for more of like a shot maker type to me if he's going to win offensively yes. in that role. I mean, of course, he, he can just be like a three. If he's really going to bring it defensively, he can just be a three and D guy. But you want to see a little bit more than just a stationary jumper. You ideally want to see him be able to create some and face up like off a, a pull up game of some sort. Yeah. Like if we're talking about him as a potential, you know, top seven pick in the draft, even which, again, like I'm not going to mock him there. But like, I think that that ceiling at least exists. Like, that's sure. what you'll see. You'll see him, like, run off of screens and knock down shots or uh, get to his pull-up game and, you know, knock down shots from the mid-range uh, after a pump fake, right? Which he did, like, a couple of the a couple of times at this camp. So uh, the ceiling really is there. I was very intrigued by what I saw from Khalil Whitney uh, at this camp. Like, he was... Th- there are questions, and I understand why there are questions, but the ceiling is drastic, yeah, I'm excited to watch. I'm going to finish up RJ Hampton tonight, and I'll probably move on to him next. All right, who who do you want to go to next? Let's do Obi Toppin, just because, again, he has some fans in the draft community. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? So, yeah, he was really good at this event. He, he was really, really good, uh, especially on Thursday. Uh, Friday, okay. he fell off a little bit, but Thursday, he was really, really good, I thought. Uh, really athletic, understood when to pop, when to roll. Uh, sometimes that can be like a question, really good out in transition, can run the floor super well, great vertical athlete as well. Uh, measurements were not great. I will say that like six, eight with a six ten wingspan, but I, I will say this. I'm not going to say who the player was, but a player, uh, who currently is in the NBA after I questioned the measurements at, uh, the Academy jumped in my DMS and was like, dude, thank you for calling it out. Like the measurements at this camp are kind of haphazard in comparison to other events like the combine and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm not saying like ignore them totally, but take them with a grain of salt. Whenever you see like Nefali Dante, who's been measured with a seven, four wingspan come in with like a seven, one wingspan. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not the best at spotting exact length on film and stuff, but Toppin does look longer than 6'10 to me. He looks more like 7 foot. Like, he's, like, he's, like, sometimes he's not the most explosive, even though he, he is a good leaper, but he gets to the rim so quickly, I think, because he is longer, too. So I, I would be surprised if it was 6'10. Like, I, I, maybe more 7 foot, 7 foot 1, potentially. Yeah, and, you know, maybe he's, like, a little bit taller or something like that. Like, I, I don't... Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know, because he came in at 6 foot 8 here, and I'm unclear on if the measurements are in or with or without shoes. I think that I'm venturing without shoes, to be honest. Um, just because, like, you know, they seem to be like an inch short in most cases. But, you know, maybe he is like 6'9 with shoes on, like has a seven foot wingspan or something like that. But 
This is not a guy that's going to be a center, I don't think. He's probably more of like a combo 4-5. And with that being the case, he's probably more of like a third big at the next level if he gets that far. Yeah, I think he's going to have to. This is one of those things where, in reality, what team is going to play him at the five, at least start him there? And I don't think any would, from what I've seen, especially defensively. We're talking about a guy who doesn't block a ton of shots, not really an impediment at the rim. I, I haven't been in love with his help defense. We've talked about off-air, like some of his ability to drop and like quickly like drop his hips and, and slide quickly. Yeah. Like sometimes that drop steps a little clunky. So that's why I haven't been as high on him as some, I get the offensive upside. I, I do like him offensively. Um, his finishing ability around the rim. Hopefully he shoots more threes this year. So we get to see that played out, but I think I can bank on his shot reasonably well. It's fine enough to, to roll the dice on. I'm more concerned about him on the defensive end. Yeah. The athleticism is there for sure. He is a good athlete. Uh, like a, I would even say like a solidly above average athlete by NBA standards yeah. for a big, um, he is a really good shooter. Like I, I fully believe in the jump shot. That was like one thing that I think was questionable coming into the event for a lot of executives. He is a legit shooter. Um, the way that like he would pick and pop and like take guys like Yudoka Azubuki away from the basket and then just like confidently step into shots with ease. That is a good looking shot. It's good looking mechanically. It has great arc, great rotation. Uh, he's going to shoot it, I think. He, he's a really uh, positive shooter, I think. Yeah, I, I feel confident about it. I haven't seen enough to say if I'm like ultra confident, but I'm, I'm definitely think he can shoot. Like that's not really my hold up with him. I think he's going to surprise in that area. And I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if he goes, you know, end of the first round in the draft. Like, frankly, I think some teams will probably talk themselves into him with the athleticism, especially if he shoots the ball well this year. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, I, I think that uh, the defense is the real concern, if anything. Yeah. Um, you know, I mentioned to you, like, there was a play that stood out in my mind where uh, he did get caught in a switch against DeRozan, and DeRozan, again, like, at 50%, like, playing energy, uh, really just, like, put the uh, put the ball in his left hand and just, like, blew by toward the middle of the uh, floor, and Toppin, it was, it was tough for him to, like, really drop the hips and slide. He had to yeah. take that little, like, hop step, and by the time you take that, like, load step... It's just over with guys like DeMar DeRozan and with really any lead ball handler in the NBA. Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm concerned. Like, he's going to have to win probably as a space defender, unless he's a much better help defender than I'm giving him credit for in my like two or three games that I've seen him. So I'm just a little, I'm always skeptical about fours that are going to be fours and not really fives who take something off the table defensively. Those guys just tend not to translate to the level that I like personally, but the NBA is going to covet those guys. Like, the NBA loves Kyle Kuzma, for example. And I don't think that what I might have seen here, this, um, he's not as good as Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree with that. Like that, his perimeter game is not the level that Kuzma's is. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Killian Tilly real quick. We finally got a semblance of measurements on Killian. Um, not great. Six nine and a half in terms of height, but uh, he came in with a six seven and a half wingspan. Um, let's even say that you know they were off by three inches. Even uh, we'll give him the Nafali Dante, you know, margin of error. Uh, even at six ten wingspan, that is that is very concerning for me as a guy that probably would need to play some five to be like a real viable, interesting NBA prospect. Yeah, I think that's fair, honestly. Yeah, I I think 
the way he's going to win is more about IQ and, and like being it in the right places is. defensively. And he, like, he's got good feet. Like he can move in space. Like, he plays high in his stance, but he's got good agility there. So I'm not really that concerned about his like. Of course, you want to see it more like six eleven, seven foot. It, it's a it's a big problem because you probably go historically and look at how many fours have really translated with like a negative wingspan, and the list is going to be very very few have been good. But I do think that this might make him a little bit of an inefficiency in the draft because I really do believe in his skill set, his ability to shoot the ball. I, I think he's a great shooter, and I, I like his skill level, and I like his defensive awareness. I think he's a really smart player. He, he can really pass, but his upside is going to be tapped because of the lack of length. He's not going to be an impact defensive player, so I think you're going to see that. I do think the draft community might take it a little bit too far, though, because what he does well isn't really conditioned on length. It's just Again, it's hard to really buy in as him having a high ceiling because of the physical limitations. Here, here's one place where I will disagree with you that his uh, ceiling isn't uh, based on his length. Because one thing that he does do really, really well, and one place where he provides like real value that doesn't necessarily catch up in the stat sheet, is as a college rim protector. He's really, really good at using verticality and contesting guys at the basket. I do think that like he's an underrated athlete. Um you know, he, he comes from like a volleyball family. And I think that like those, that ability, like I bet you when his standing vertical uh, leap is measured, it is among the highest at the combine. Because I do think he is very, very good at loading and using that like standstill leaping ability. Um, but like at the end of the day, if you have a six nine wingspan and you're six foot nine in the NBA, you're probably not going to do much contesting shots at the basket. Like just realistically, you're not. Well, especially if I'm a standstill, I think that is going to kind of defensive role. Like if he's going to be under the basket and going straight up, like he's going to get exploded through regardless. Even if he had a seven foot wingspan, he's not ultra strong. Like he's going to get run through yeah. a fair amount. So I do think it, it definitely hinders him for sure. But I don't think it's like exponential. Like he still wins on anticipation on IQ yeah. being in the right spot and like going vertical. So I don't think he's going to suffer to the extent of somebody who doesn't have those anticipation abilities. If you're just a guy who relies on tools and you take away your margin for error, you're going to have a lower ceiling. So I don't think it's going to impact him as much. But of course, again, you'd want to see more length. I mean, that's just it's pretty unprecedented for a guy like that to get a shot in the NBA, a legitimate one. And he's going to be saved by his ability to shoot the ball. I think the NBA will eventually talk themselves into him um, if the medical aligns, of course. Yeah, so the medical is a real question after this past year. But uh, the stuff that I noted, you know, he was knocking down above the break threes with ease. He's a really good communicator defensively out there. Um, yep. Moves his feet really well on defense, like you said. One, like, little note that I had. He struggled to catch the ball below his waist a little bit. Um, okay. Gonzaga's guards like never really utilize him as a you know rolling dive man where he has to catch the ball below his waist and like go up and finish. So it was interesting to me that his hands like there weren't superb. Uh, I'll also just note like he's not a good rebounder at all. Uh, he is he gets out of position way too easily. Yeah, and I think that also ties into I don't think he's going to play much five credibly at the NBA level. I think you have to view him just through the prism of how NBA teams are going to view him more as a four. Like I don't know yeah. if any teams nobody's going to start him at the five. He might do some hybrid minutes there, but I don't know how you really survive defensively. It's just some of these guys who aren't ultra physical and can't rebound. I don't want to compare him to Dragan Bender and be like a lazy comp, but I'm just saying that a lot of coaches don't trust guys like that, you know, to be your primary rim protector and your primary kind of box out guy. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, 
where do we want to go next? Is there anyone else that like really interests you on this list? I mean, Halliburton is definitely interesting to me. I'm not quite as high on him as some people are. I know you're really high on him, but maybe not even as high as some guys I'm, on draft. I'm less that. high on him, uh, I would say. Okay, this. take it away. Um, I like the idea of him. So like there were people who had him like in the top 20 this year in terms of like draft ranking, which I thought was bananas. It was completely and utterly absurd. Um, I had him at the highest this year, I think is like a top 50 guy that like, I was like, you know, if he would enter the draft, I'd be interested in taking like a second round flyer. Like I like him more than Taylor Horton Tucker, who I had like at number 48 or something like that on my board. Um, but like you watch him and the lack of strength really does play up a lot. Yes. Uh, the lack of strength on the ball as well is concerning uh he's not like some lead guard ball handler right now uh he's a guy that gets by as like an advantage ball handler uh who sees an advantage and then can just like drive by and get to the basket right um or like he'll pump fake on a jump shot and someone will respect the jumper too much and he'll just blow by and he always makes great decisions he's an exceptional passer he's a really great defender but the big key for me is that the jump shot is a mess um, I know he hit 40% or whatever from three this year. I, I don't know what the number was off the top of my head, but like it takes him way too long to load into it. There's way too much offhand interaction in the shot. Uh, like I, I don't really see how that shot is translatable to the NBA three without significant uh, work right now. Yeah. I mean, that's what you have to realize when you look at a three-point percentage or something in a small sample is you're not getting the diversity. Like, he didn't take any shots off movement. I think he made one pull-up shot the entire his entire freshman year. And it was like a hoist. I'm writing a piece about him right now. And it was from almost half court. That's the thing about him that's kind of weird is he has pretty good touch, I think. Yeah. Honestly, like, when he's open with time and space, like, he's a better, like, pure shooter than Lonzo, for example, I think. Like, when he has time and space. Like, oh. he's not as quick... A- I, think I don't he, think I, think I agree got better with that touch. for what it's worth. I think Lonzo's shot is more functional, and we saw him do a lot more with it his freshman year at UCLA. But if you give them both an open catch and shoot, I would take Halliburton if it's open. But when you harass okay. his shot line or anything like that, I feel like he can't make difficult shots. Even though we did see a couple shots at FIBA where Halliburton, he had like one mid-range fadeaway. I've never seen him do that. He made the shot. I don't know how much I buy that. And we did see one pull-up three, but it was one of those situations where it was like a Morant three, where it was like a way deep under coverage and like you set your feet, right? And that's what you see a lot right. from Halliburton. It's like he's always setting his feet. He can speed it up a little bit, but it's still slow relative to NBA standards. Sometimes it just takes him all day to get it. And I think sometimes he takes liberties of, of taking his full amount of time when he can't expedite it. But you do see him under a little bit more pressure, get it up quicker. But I, I completely agree with your overall assessment. I think the lack of strength on both sides of the ball, frankly, this is not somebody who gets to the rim. He didn't do that his freshman year either. He's someone who is, like you said, an advantage kind of creator. He's an excellent decision maker. I think a lot of people are going to call him a point guard. But in the NBA, you have to be able to score to be an on-ball presence. And that's where I worry with him. Not a dynamic pull-up shooter. Not a dynamic get-to-the-rim guy. Not physical at the rim. Gets knocked out with spots way too easily. He's got a lot to show if he's going to be considered like this lead guard type. Okay, so here are the numbers I will give you on why He's like 100% not a lead guard right now. Uh, he took five shots off the dribble all year last year. Uh, made one, as you mentioned. And last year, guess how many shots around the basket he took in half-court settings? I actually know this. It was 14. It was 14. <laughs> uh, that is, given the fact that he played 35 games last year, that's like one every three games. That's just like not 
he's just not breaking down defenses in the slightest, if that's the number, realistically, right? Uh, and that shows up in his play. You know what I mean? Like, this is not uh, breaking news. You know what I mean? Um, you know, he made one three-pointer off of a screen last year, which I think that you mentioned as well. Uh, you know, as a pick-and-roll ball handler, he had 12 possessions last season. Uh, they had Lindell Wigginton. They had uh, other lead ball handlers. Talon Horton Tucker took a lot of possessions as well. Uh, th- this was just not a guy that was anything translatable as a lead. Now, I think of him more as a wing, and I always have thought of him more as a wing, who can be like a very high-level defender, who can hopefully improve the jump shot enough, and who can make exceptional decisions on the ball. Like, I think his ceiling is probably like late first-round pick. Uh, If he became that, I wouldn't be shocked at all by that. But that's where I am in terms of like, I'm, you know, quote-unquote, like higher on Tyrese Halliburton. Like, I just like the IQ like the uh, ability on defense and think like maybe there's a chance he can rework the shot. Yeah, that's kind of where I am too, basically. I'm probably even a little bit lower on his defense. I love his team defense. I think he's really aware and obviously he gets blocks and steals like he can cover on the back line a little bit, but the strength again is concerned. He's got good feet. You saw him at FIBA at times. He'd get around screens, show good footwork there to stay attached. I was actually really impressed with that, but oftentimes you just see him get driven on in space and he'd get knocked off a spot really easily and that's the, the functional strength with him is definitely a concern and just to put that 14 attempts at the rim in perspective I wrote a piece about a giant Isaiah Joe as well and he never gets to the rim he got to the rim 29 times in the half court so it's like this is an all-time kind of historic historically low number and we talked about Halliburton on the podcast last year and he kind of just reminds me of like in some ways of the wing version of Lonzo but we're talking about Lonzo who's not even a lead guard in the NBA and Halliburton has shown far less acuity there so I, I think it's a big time leap to say you know this guy can be an NBA point guard I think where you want him is more of an advantage score decision making is outstanding like he can make all the reads in pick and roll I have no qualms about that he can see the entire floor he can make all the passes it's about can he generate any self-gravity and that's what I don't see as a score. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move on to let's see where do I want to go next. Uh, let's talk about uh, Mamadi Diakite. Okay, he has clearly done a lot of work this off season, thinking he's going to play a bigger role offensively in Virginia's scheme. Is a ball handler, like he can actually get into pull up jumpers now with. Okay. I'm not going to say the results are great, but like he's, he gets into them with balance and the key is more just like rhythm, right? Uh, he's a guy that clearly has not taken, I would guess like any pull up jumpers in his career at Virginia. And this is like a totally new skill, but his ability to handle it was far better, especially in the half court than what I thought it would be. Like I said, like he could go like left to right for like a pull up shot that, you know, he's just not like a good enough shooter right now. So the concern is, you know, can he be efficient enough doing this for it to be worthwhile? But there was genuine skill growth that I saw there that I became interested in over the course of the competition. Yeah, I mean, if he's showing skill improvements, he becomes pretty interesting to me. I mean, right now, not getting a ton of buzz, even though he does have his fans... um, in the draft community, I I would be very intrigued if he starts showing skill level because he has shown touch indicators. Uh, he, he did shoot three shots off the dribble last year. I'm guessing they were one of them was probably like a runner or something like that because they do kind of right. overextend into different categories. But if he starts showing skill in his game, he, you bet on the shot to a reasonable extent. Like he, he again, he, he doesn't have bad touch. I think there's a workable skill set here. Yeah, and look, like 
he still never passes the ball and he <laughs> is n- like he is a chronic he has like the chronic disease where he holds the ball too long instead of just making like a quick decision and keeping the defense on its toes yep. is a big man but i'm just saying like there is potentially some dormant ball skill there which is intriguing especially when you consider the fact that like he is a fucking high level defender like he can switch out onto guards he's a good rim protector like he can be kavan looney defensively i think at the next level i don't think he has kavan's ball skills quite yet and i think what kavan has done is he's become like the most unselfish guy in the world offensively right so that's where Diakite's next step is developing ball skills to at least be like a threat, but also understanding not to use them unless he absolutely has to. Uh, I think he's like a, an interesting second round pick right now that like in the 2020 draft, I would not be surprised to see him go in the second round. Yeah, I'm with that 100%. Yeah, like and like seriously, the shot mechanics off the catch, I think are actually pretty good. Like, I think he has a real chance to shoot it from, like, 18 feet. Yeah, and if he, I mean, obviously you want to extend that to three, and then he becomes much more viable. But this is the kind of player I like betting on more because you're getting the defensive ability. And not, like, the heaviest guy as far as girth, of course, but, like, I I think I would rather bet on someone who can be a multi-level defensive player who has touch indicators than more of an offensive-oriented four, if that makes sense. So Sadiq Bey at Villanova, 6'7", 6'11", wingspan, um, you know, Pretty smart player, fits Villanova's scheme really well. Yep. He is shooting it now. Like he he has like mechanically, I don't know if this is new or not. I just didn't dig deep enough into his like shot mechanics last year. But he's kind of turning his feet to a slight angle from the basket as opposed to like being straight on with the basket. And okay. it's kind of put his alignment a little bit more uh in alignment, I guess, with uh like just getting a good release on the ball. He was knocking down shots like crazy at this event. He looked really, really good. Okay. I was already interested. I really liked him last year. I don't have specific notes on his mechanics either. I did take notes on him last year, but I, I did like his IQ, and I think his frame yeah. at that size, he becomes really interesting, especially he gets the, the J Wright boost of, you know he's going to learn fundamentals and like attacking quickly, making quick decisions and, and footwork and all of that. So he's definitely someone to monitor, someone who some people were high on last year. I'm very, very intrigued by him. Oh, we need we need to talk about Jaden Scrub too. Have you by chance watched any of him? So he's a kid that uh, played JUCO last year at John Logan College. Uh, he'll be a sophomore this year. There's like a question as to whether or not he's going to declare for the 2020 draft or if he's going to um, transfer up after the second JUCO year to a Division One school. Six foot five, six ten wingspan. Lefty knocked down like 45% from three last year. I think it was like his numbers were absurd. They were like 25 points, seven rebounds and seven assists a game or something ridiculous like that. Uh, He very much looks the part of a prospect and I am very interested in him now going forward and getting to see a little bit more of him. This is the first time I'd ever seen him live and I get the appeal and like he was certainly in the top half of players that were at this event, if not higher. Interesting. Yeah. This is someone I haven't seen literally a second of, so I can't say much here. Yeah. He, uh, very interesting, very, very interesting story. Um, I might write about him at some point, but he is, he's very good. Very, uh, very smart player makes the right decisions with the ball. 
The jumper, I don't think is like quite like, you know, 45% from three. Like it's not going to be some, he's not going to be like some elite level shooter. I don't think, but mechanically it does look pretty good. Like he can be a good shooter in general. I am, uh, I'm intrigued. I am intrigued to see where this goes more than anything now. Yeah, and I'm, ex- I'm excited to get to that tape. Probably not this week, but uh, I'll try to build that in. I got to ask, though, about one guy. We got to talk about Charles Bassey. Just the two guys that have applicability next year's draft. Is it Kira Lewis or Kyra Lewis? Uh, fuck if I know. <laughs> okay, so th- th- those two guys, take it away. I'm curious on both. I think like the, the listeners are going to want to hear about guys who are, are more. I-, I would say both of these guys are threats to come out in the next class. I mean, obviously, Lewis wasn't eligible to do so last year, but what are your thoughts on those guys? Yeah, so Kira, um, let's call him Lewis, I guess, because I don't know if I'm saying his name yes. right. Uh, Lewis, I only saw him one day. Uh, you know, he's had like a long, same with like Cade Cunningham, same with Ty- Tyrese Halliburton, like, these guys have had long summers already, uh, just from playing the you know uh, U nineteen championships. Lewis looked uh, good. He looked like he was knocking down shots. He is super fast. Uh, he's very good at leading the transition. Uh, yes. Good ball handler. Uh, very skinny still. Like he is painfully skinny right now. Um, that he needs to put on like ten to fifteen pounds before this college basketball season, even I think to like really get to the point where I think he can do significant, significant damage in college, like not just be like probably all sec. I think he's going to do that regardless. Uh, The big question for me is, can he be like sec player of the year candidate? And like, if he puts on like 10 to 15 pounds before the season and gets up to like 175, he has a real shot. Like he is, he is such a quick talent. He can knock down shots. His uh, passing ability is pretty strong. I am in general a fan and think he has a chance to go in the first. Yeah, I get the intrigue with him. I mean, the speed with the ball is something that really stands out. Like when he actually gets the ball and pushes it down your throat in transition, like he can even elevate off one and finish at the rim. Like he's not yeah. like an overly explosive guy, but he's explosive enough. And I think his transition ability, his speed is what really stuck out to me. I didn't really see enough of the change of speed. I watched like three games of his last year, the Kentucky one most recently, and you could just tell he wasn't ready. Like it was, he was just not at that point where he was old enough. He was, was I think, the second youngest player in college last year. And it was just a, the level was too high for him. So I'm very curious to see how he kind of adjusts this year. Going to have the ball a bit more, going to be potentially in a better system to showcase his talent, better situation. So we'll kind of see how that plays out. Someone who, who should definitely be on the radar, though. I'm not quite as high on him as some, but I do get the entry because I do buy a shot, especially off the catch. I'm not sure how dynamic his pull-up game is yet. I haven't seen enough of his tape there, but I do like his shot off the catch. Yeah, I'm going to start with him as a like late first round pick, probably something like that. And just you know see where okay. it goes. This year is such a crapshoot. Like he's to me, like in terms of upside, at least he is someone that I am very interested in as soon as he puts weight on the body. So to tra- transition now to someone you're not very interested in. What, what are your thoughts on Charles Bass? Anything changed for you? Um, No, I was never really a fan. Um, he looks slow. He doesn't have quick twitch. Uh, one thing that like a coach told me that played them last year is that he kind of has like the twinkle toes disease. Uh, he just doesn't roll hard. Right. Like, you know, there are guys like Clint Capella, for instance, and, um, you know, Tyson Chandler, when he was really good at the pick and roll, they would roll hard to the basket. Same with Deandre Jordan, right? High point the ball and then like finish far above the rim and like throw down on dudes faces. Charles Bassey doesn't really do that. And then you throw in the fact that, like, he doesn't have great balance, it seems like. Like, he's on the floor constantly. Um, He's strong and, like, a good college 
player for sure because he has touch he uh has like pretty good footwork in the post just for like that's a skill that's been developed within him over the course of the last like three years he's a really good rebounder who understands innately how to high point the ball but like a lot of the stuff that he does doesn't impact winning and a lot of his shortcomings drastically impact losing yeah, that's really well said. That's pretty much my thoughts verbatim on him. I, I can't get there defensively. I don't think he's going to defend in space. This movement, like a fluidity as an athlete just isn't there. The reason like, I don't think he can get up and like sky for dunks on like lob catches, he's just not that kind of a coordinated athlete. Like He's more of like a guy. I do buy him in some coordination ways. Like I do think that he's inevitably going to shoot, and I think he can maybe one, two dribble, even like shoot a pull-up jumper potentially. Like he, His skill level I think is underrated. But I'm not sure if it's not near the level of what it needs to be to compensate for his areas of weakness, which are, in my opinion, like you said, far more important to his projection. And I just don't see how, you know, he survives, especially defensively. I, I get the age and I get the production, but that doesn't always equate to being a plus NBA player if you're a great college player. And I don't think he's even a great college player. He's a very good one, though, and I think he will be a good one. I, like, I am way more interested in Yudoka Azubuke than I am uh, Charles Bassey. And I am like, people who uh, are fans of Kansas fucking hate me because I am not, I have like not been high on Doke and I'm not super high on Silvio de Sosa. Um, Doke, he is in exceptional shape. Like he came in at 276 pounds. He had a full six pack was in like awesome, awesome shape while he was at this event. Uh, and like it showed he was like rim running and doing an exceptional job in pick and roll settings at, at this event. He like, it was difficult for teams to stop him. And look, like we're not exactly talking about the most complicated structured defensive schemes where the, uh, backside defender is tagging him consistently, but he was really good. Like he was really, really good on offense at this event. I mean, he's a legitimate play or play finisher. I mean, around the rim, he finishes everything, and he's explosive enough to dunk. And like, he has some touch around the basket, not not from the foul or anything like that, but just around the rim. As far as his ability to put pressure on the rim vertically with his size, with his extension. He's going to be up there, and I think he probably even gets drafted, frankly, just based on that. Like, you know what you're getting with him. He can set a, a good screen, and he can roll to the rim. And I think he's a really big threat around the basket to be an interior finisher, and that's what he does. The problem with him is that I think it's going to be hard to keep him on the floor because of the lack of foul shooting and because of the lack of perimeter defense. He is a disaster still as a foul shooter and a disaster still as a... Uh, defender on the perimeter like he can't do anything to stop those guys out there um may maybe you can do some structural things defensively to like mitigate that downside but a team with a pull-up shooter and a team with a pop threat are just going to murder him when he's on the floor in the nba and that's why i'm not as high on him because of those two components he's got to look good in like summer league for example when teams yeah. just park there big right in front of the rim and like oh you're gonna play a drop every time but in the NBA, especially against the better teams who have legitimate pull-up threats and perimeter players, you can't you can't get away with that. Yeah, like I applaud him for doing genuinely every single thing that he can possibly do to become an NBA prospect. I, I just don't know if it's there uh, at the end of the day, but he is. Yeah, he's working hard at it. Like I'll give him that. Uh, I'm hoping that he gets there. Do you want to talk about? So I'm trying to think if there's anyone else on the college side when you talk about Cassius Winston looked like we expect him to. Oh, O'Shea Agbaji looked great. Uh, he was like knocking down shots. He came in like strong and heavy. 
He looked he looked like a potential NBA wing out there. At times last year, I thought he was Kansas's best prospect. Frankly, yeah. even like with Grimes on the floor, I thought like this guy was probably their best prospect. I wasn't really as in on him yet, but he you get the allure. If he's going to make shots, he has to shoot. That's step one. So if he can prove that and then show a little bit more diverse skill set. But I, I did like some of his tape last year. I thought he was intriguing. Yeah, and uh, like I don't think Peyton Pritchard's an NBA prospect, but I thought Peyton Pritchard looked really good. Um, Throughout, like he looked like a mature adult guard out there in chaos. Uh, Desmond Bain was automatic, knocking down shots from distance. Uh, he's still six four with a six four wingspan and has really funky shooting mechanics. But uh, you know, as a wing who can knock down shots, maybe that happens for him. Um, Tanor Engom, you know, seven foot one, seven foot five wingspan, something like that. Uh, not really a prospect to me. Um, Trace Tinkles showed some flashes. Uh, he came in 6'6 with like a seven foot wingspan, by the way. Uh, which, okay. like, if you, if you look at him, <laughs> like, he does actually have like pretty long arms. Uh, he, if he can shoot the three at all, and he didn't look like he could shoot the three at this event, uh, he's intriguing to me just because his feel for the game is really high. And then yes. finally, you've watched a good amount of Reggie Perry now because you watched all of the U19 stuff. What did you think of Reggie Perry? I mean, he got to show a little bit more of his skill game and a little bit more of the perimeter ability in FIBA play. I just thought he looked coordinated running the floor, had some nice handling sequences, um, shooting. I, I buy his foundation to an extent. I think he's fine there. It's more to me about can he defend in space. He had some problems with pick and roll coverage. I, I can't remember what team, but like USA, was. Th- this was the only time they were really struggling in, in the tournament to a high degree, and they were just getting pulled out in the floor because their bigs couldn't guard in space. And that's something I worry about him. His ability to protect the rim as well on the back line, not the best vertical leaper. He doesn't have a lot of pop to his game in that respect. Yep. But there are several components that he's 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 interesting. I'm probably a little bit lower than some, but I do I get the intrigue. I think you were relatively high on him, right? You, you at least like him. I was high coming in uh, to the fresh to his freshman year on him. Like I thought he was okay. like an immediate impact college player. Uh, it took him like 12 games, but he was really good. Uh, the back half of his season with Mississippi State. He was good at the G League Combine. He was pretty good at the NBA Combine. Uh, obviously won MVP of the U19. Uh, he, I think he's going to produce basically wherever he goes. Uh, like there's still concerns about him is a like combo four or five big man as opposed to being just like a true five. Uh but he's strong. He's physical. Uh, he is a good rebounder. Uh, I think he's better positionally defensively than he gets credit for. Uh, he's not going to be like some difference maker defensively, but I think he can be like a tough guy on defense. Sure. Yeah. The strength is there. The frame. I think he profiles best as kind of this third big, ideally, if he makes it to that level. That's kind of what he does. I don't th- see him being dynamic enough as a four either on either side of the floor, and I don't think he's big enough that coaches are going to trust him to play the five, but he does give you some different dimensions if his shot proves to be like legitimately bankable. Yeah, like second round pick for me. Um, not a sure. not a guy that like I'm anticipating taking some big first round pick leap. Um, let's talk about Nafali Dante. Have you seen any of him? I haven't in a long time. Like I did see him at Hoop Summit. I think he was there two consecutive years, but I haven't really seen him in the intermittent level. I, I probably haven't watched his tape for a year and a half. So Nafali Dante is headed to Oregon now. Uh, he is going to reclassify to 2019 as well. So he'll be, um, I would imagine, like a, like he would prefer to be in this draft. I I personally don't really see it with him. Um Whenever I watch Dante, I see a guy that has like NBA long-term potential. Maybe uh, if you told me in a few years, like he was a NBA prospect, I would buy that. But 
he's still very limited. He still doesn't make the right rotations defensively. Um, he's improved a lot. He's improved his body a lot, I think. Like, he was down to 240 at this event, which was really good. Um, but he's still just, like, a finisher and, like, a rebounder to me. And that's kind of it. Like, I, I don't get why he's, like, a top 10 prospect in this recruiting class. I really have to go back over. I, from what I remember of him, I just remember him playing against Charles Bassey, like, in, at Hoop Summit practices and stuff. And I just wasn't really impressed with either one of them. I think Kobe Cockburn yeah. ended up showing up there that year. So I, I never he never popped for me in that setting. Like, I was obviously fixating on other guys more clearly. So that's why my memory of him is kind of a bit hazed here. But uh, I, I was never blown away by him. Yeah, I... Uh... Like, he's just not a guy that seems to have, like, a super high feel for the game to me. And, like, offensively, like, I don't even, like, he's not even, like, a great roller. He's a guy that, like, gets his offense, like, from offensive rebounding and just, like, uh, getting, like, a dump-off pass from a driving guard. Uh, like, I, he's just not, like, one of those guys that puts, like, a crazy amount of pressure on the basket in the same way that Bassey doesn't. Um and yeah, defensively, like I think he's a little bit overrated defensively because he blocks shots. Like he's he he's not always there defensively in a way that he needs to be. Um, th- there was like a conversation earlier, like does he like totally change Oregon's hopes this year? I don't think he does. Like he helps Oregon, but like if if I was them, I I would venture that their best lineups don't involve Nafali Dante. Yeah, interesting. Um, like C- CJ think- Walker is just better than he is at basketball. Oh, um, for sure. I- I've seen enough of CJ to, to know that. <laughs> yeah, it's like CJ Walker is just better at basketball than that dude is. Um, so yeah, like uh, given that you haven't seen a lot of him, I figured I'd just like throw off some takes real quick about Nafali Dante, given that he's going to Oregon and that was a thing that was announced. He's like, I'm sure. not, I don't mean to like shit on him. Like he's fine. Um, he- he'll be like an okay prospect, but at the end of the day, uh, I-, I don't see him as like some one and done dude at all uh let's talk about uh have you seen any of Amani Bates this was my first like in-person experience with Amani Bates I've only seen like extended highlights so nothing of like in-game like feel level and stuff but I know what he can do as far as skill level yeah so Amani Bates first and foremost uh the one place where we very clearly need to pump the brakes on the Kevin Durant comparison is Kevin Durant was like six nine six ten with like a plus seven wingspan Amani Bates came into this event six seven with a six seven wingspan now that's not to say that he isn't very clearly the best player in his class he is ex fucking exceptional uh exceptional I don't know how to make that work <laughs> that dude is an unbelievable shot creator he's still super skinny but he is uh he can go like left to right crossover three-pointer splash like he can he can knock down shots from distance he's a three-level scorer that knows how to uh create separation despite being super skinny still he uh he uses his length that he has really really well but i i i don't see the kevin durant stuff yeah like he's really good and is very clearly a number one player in that class and i would be surprised if he is not like the number one overall pick in the 2023 nba draft 2022 nba draft i think now i think about it um but yeah like he's really exceptionally good and he was among the best players here i would say like he wasn't um like he was probably the third best player on his team fourth best player on his team behind um you know i I thought josh christopher was really good uh paulo banchero is one of my favorite players in high school basketball right now that dude is just exceptional and then patrick baldwin looked really good as well uh but the fact that he's a just like finished his freshman year and is at this level already i think says a lot about just 
how unbelievably gifted he is. The pull-up and like getting from his handle to his pull-up game at that size is it's pretty special. I mean, yeah, I, I don't really care what, especially when you factor in age. Like, I don't know if I've ever no, seen it, someone it, at that age. It's special for it's like un- a college player. Yes, but, but especially with how young he is. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen a prospect. I mean, I'm sure Durant did this. I don't really remember that. But a guy who could really shoot out the dribble like him at that size and. Yeah, if he's not Kevin Durant, if he's not, you know, Durant's probably like 6'10", 6'11", with a 7'5", 7'6 wingspan, he can just shoot over the top of everybody, right? Maybe Amani can't do it to that level, but that doesn't make him, like, a bad prospect. Clearly, everybody still thinks he's he's great. One of the guys who, I don't know about feel for the game, I haven't seen enough of him to know that, but he's one of the guys where he's probably going to be a good enough shot maker where it doesn't matter. Right, yeah, no, like, Amani Bates is still like one of the best prospects, if not the best prospect in high school basketball. Um, I, I'm just saying like, you know, Jeff Borzello, who I love, like I love Jeff, um, you know, consider him a friend, but like he wrote like this thing where he talked to a bunch of evaluators and asked like, is Imani Bates uh, the best prospect since the one and done era, basically. And these people came back and were like, yeah, he's like up there with Kevin Durant. He'd be like behind Durant, behind Greg Oden, then like slot in at third with Derek Rose or something like that. And I got, I think we need to just slow <laughs> down a little bit. Like, I'm good with the hype on him because he is unbelievable. Um, but, like, the lack of freak show measurements actually is important to his long-term upside. I agree. And I, if that's the bar, then I would side with you. I mean, I tend to be more skeptical of coming in to this being like he's in that Durant conversation as far as a one and done like that level of talent let's at least let him prove it first you know what i mean like more substantially over time before you bestow on him like basically the best prospect the last like 20 years like is he a better prospect than zion like i let's chill a little bit yeah um i really like paulo banchero or banchero uh he's from uh, seattle so i assume you've seen him quite a bit right I haven't seen him that much. He's O'Day High School, though. I I want to say I played against his older brother. Uh, there's another Banchero when I was in high school. I'm not sure if that's the case or not, but uh, I've heard great things about him. I've seen the, the highlight tapes, and I'm very, very interested in him for sure. The things that he does super well don't even really show up in highlight tapes. He is like just one of the smartest high school basketball players I've ever seen. Yep. Uh, no, you can see that from some of the tapes too, like some of the the passes he makes. And some yeah. of the you can't see everything, of course, but even I could see that in a limited sample. So that was really encouraging. Yeah, like the possession by possession consistency that he brings is just really high. Uh, Patrick Baldwin is—I don't know if he's the best like big shooter I've seen in high school basketball. And look, I've been doing this like I'm not going to sit here and tell you I have like an Evan Daniels like encyclopedia of recruits, right? Um, but like. Among five-star prospects who were like, you know, 6'10", something like that, 6'9", 6'10", I personally can't remember a guy who is as good of a shooter as Patrick Baldwin, uh, especially as like a, you know, rising junior. He is an unbelievable shooter. That's definitely promising. This is someone who I haven't seen any of, unfortunately, yeah, so he, I can't really chime in. He is like, if you told me he won a three-point contest in the NBA one day, I would not be surprised. Oh, Jesus. Level At 6'10"? Yeah, like 6'9", six, 6'10". Six, Can he guard? Uh, He has a high IQ, but we will see where the defense goes. He's not like overly long or overly athletic. Um, but he's smart. But he's smart. He can put the ball on the floor, drive, knows how to use his shot to get into the lane. Uh, it's like he's the number one or number. He's like a top three prospect in the 2021 class. 
Um, yeah. I don't know that the upside is like superstar level player, but in ter- just purely in terms of the jump shot, he is an exceptional jump shot. Okay. I uh, like can do Gotta it off of movement. Like can do it. <laughs> he can get like that. He can knock down shots like with terrific touch whenever he gets that, like running off a of movement, gets the slight lean backward to create separation, but also somehow maintain perfect balance and alignment in the shot like stuff. So- so are we talking like a Lowry marketing level shooter with more diversity potentially? Is, is that? I think it's like that level. Yeah. He's okay. like, he is an unreal shooter. That's dope. Yeah. Uh, I, I would watch him. I didn't get a chance to see much of the team that had uh, Scotty Barnes and Terrence Clark and Sharif Cooper. Um, I did get to see the Greg Brown team, Greg Brown and Cade Cunningham and, um, BJ Boston, like all those guys. Uh, Greg Brown is a ridiculous athlete. That dude is a freak show, like a total freak show. Another guy I have not seen much of outside of like FIBA play. I watched a lot of Cade on purpose because I love watching him play. But outside he's of him, and like, like he's like, I think he's my favorite prospect ever. I'm not saying he's the best, but <laughs> I love watching him the most. Like I love watching that kid. I like I saw him for the first time at Pangos last year. And I wrote about how I thought he was like a way underrated prospect and like looked like an NBA wing out there already. Uh, the fact that the Cade Cunningham explosion has happened makes me very happy. He, yeah, uh, I don't even know where to start with him. I think it's, it's first of all, like the basketball IQ and like the it's savvy at that age. It's just like, charts. It, I literally put like a random high school game on and I was like, who the fuck? I've never had any pre-existing context to him. It just happened like somehow randomly. And I, I, I saw him and I was like, who the fuck is that guy? Like nobody makes reads that quickly. That that's that size. Like he was throwing like these off angled entry passes and pick and roll. It was just like he just feels the game. He sees the game. He's a step ahead. That's the best way I can explain him at six seven. Like I that IQ level is just very very rare. I would imagine I didn't watch a lot of Ben Simmons, and there were clearly differences in their games. But I'd imagine like when you watch them play from an IQ standpoint at lower level high school, like those guys really really stand out. Yeah, like for instance Ben. Uh was like four inches taller, obviously three inches taller. Um, and was way more explosive athletically. I thought, I think Cade's IQ is higher. And I think Cade has already like a way better jump shot. Like I'm not sitting here and saying he's like not some close. high level shooter, but he is a better shooter than Ben already. Oh, hundred percent. Like his, I actually think his shooting is being underrated a lot. Like he's not like a great percentage shooter, but it's the mechanics are actually really good. And I'm really optimistic about that translating just because he has that kind of high forehead release where he can shoot over the top. He's shown some diversity off the dribble. I don't know how well he can shoot like deep, deep NBA threes yet. He's more like at the line from what I've seen, but the foundation is incredibly strong. He's not someone who has like one of these situations like LaMelo ball where that it just mechanics just piss me off. And like, they're just so inconsistent. Like with, with Kate, I do think the mechanical foundation is there. And if he can really shoot the ball, I mean, I love his strength level. He's not like the most explosive athlete in traffic, but he does. I think it was Matt McKay who made this comparison. He does remind me a lot of Brandon Roy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there is some of that there, except that Kate is 6'6". He came in with a seven-foot wingspan. I thought it was measured even above that. Didn't somebody have it at like 7'2 or something crazy? Or it was, I could have it's mis- seven-foot. Uh, it's seven-foot. Oh, got it, got it. Um, Yeah, it's ridiculous. He he is everything you want from a prospect. He would, like, it is shocking to me that he is not trying to reclassify for this year. Uh, I'm heartbroken. I would have had him, I mean, if he reclassified, he would be one in his own tier for you, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he would be, he'd be very clearly number one for me. Yeah. 
Um, me too. He is a full stop stud. The fact that like, it's weird to me that recruiting, like have recruiting analysts jumped on this yet? And like, do they have Cade that high? I feel like they don't. I don't know for sure. I saw one ranking where he was second, um, but I, I don't really follow the stuff that far ahead. Like, it does seem like he hasn't gotten, I don't know. Cause again, this is someone who like everybody that I roll with is obsessed with. So I'm getting like the extreme of one side. And then I don't see that being purported to the same extent um, by a lot of guys who cover high school. And I think a lot of that, again, is like you said, like you don't have like the crazy highlight flash finishes where he's like ultra explosive in traffic or something like he wins more in like the skill and iq game i think sometimes those guys those guys get a little underrated yeah like he's the number two prospect right now behind evan mobley in 2020 and yes i think evan's a stud like i think evan is super good um and i think that like evan is like i think evan would be number one in the 2019 class uh in terms of recruits like i think he's better than james wiseman right now um I agree. Having said that, like Cade is very clearly better than his now. Like we, that, we, we've just kind of hit that point where Cade is better than he is. That's my opinion as well. I've seen both of those guys with FIBA play and I, I do like Evan. I like some of the passes. I like the shot foundation. There's a lot of like IQ stuff in his game too. If he can yeah. just get stronger, I think that's the main thing with him is he's just real thin. He, there's a lot to like with him. I really do like him a lot, but Cade to me, again, I don't want to use this too liberally, but he is more like a generational kind of prospect to me. Like I'm almost to the point where I'm like very confident saying that I'm not sh- saying he's for sure going to be like a superstar, but there's almost everything that I like in a player in that guy. Yeah. I wouldn't go as far as like generational prospect. Like I don't like, I, I would not put him in Zion's class at all but i do think he is a ridiculously high level prospect i am excited i think i would put him in zion's class but i think i'd still have zion ahead if that makes sense like i think he's Mm -hmm. in the stratosphere but i think right now i mean obviously he's going to show more and we'll see how how high the shooting ceiling goes and stuff like that but i think they're in the same like for me it's like luca zion and Cade would probably be the three guys over the last few years that i feel like are on that level to varying degrees yeah that's fair uh Anything else you want to talk about from this event? I think that's good, man. Honestly, I know most of the returning guys here. You answered pr- pretty much all the questions. I couldn't really chime in on some of these guys, but I was uh, kind of—I shouldn't be surprised that we're trying to fill content and we're after the hour thirty mark. <laughs> so yeah, we're rolling, <laughs> and, and we still have to make fun of Michael Porter for. Oh, there we go. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you thinking, Michael Porter? I have so many, so many questions right now, Michael Porter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> tweeted at, or uh no snapchatted adam silver like giving them a speech at the rookie symposium thing and it eludes me a why are you snapchatting at this thing because like you're it's gonna be very rare for you to get a chance to like see adam silver you know speaking in front of all of you like this again b his phone information is bigger on the screen than adam is like could not be more obvious that Adam is explaining to them, if you have any questions, please like reach out to me. It, here are my things. And that's what Michael Porter decides to Snapchat. And what? Like, I, have, I have so many questions on what the I don't even know process what to say. was going through his brain. Yeah. I mean, I, I have questions. I'm not sure if I actually want to hear the answers necessarily but uh <laughs> it's just crazy like it, it's crazy where we've come with michael porter where he'll like pop on my radar 
Like, it seems like once every like four months. Like there were times last season where I legitimately forgot he was he was drafted. He was like in the league. He was in that draft, and you know he popped up a little bit with summer league because we thought he was going to play, and then he ended up not playing. And then this is the next thing. The next time I've thought about Michael Porter was this. It's just kind of crazy. Yeah, Michael. My Michael has got to get his shit together. Like, yeah. there's, there's, on some level, like this is a jokey, funny thing that like. It's pretty objectively hilarious that he did this. But come on, man. Like, <laughs> handle your shit. Like, please, just handle your shit. Yeah. I really have nothing else. I'm. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. What, what a move to just tweet out all of Adam Silver's information. Uh, it, you know, uh, Jason Concepcion has already tried to reach out to get him on desktop. Hopefully, Adam <laughs> yes. uh, takes kindly to that and responds. Uh, go on desktop, Adam Silver, please. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? I, I think that's all we got basketball-wise, and we talked about movies at the top. So, <laughs> I think I'm good, man. Honestly, uh, just a couple things to plug really quick. I talked about Trey Mann and wrote a piece about him last week at the Stepien. So you can check that out. I'm going to write about Tyrese Halliburton this week and kind of just comparing what we saw, a lot of what we discussed in this podcast and comparing what we saw in FIBA, any developments in his game. Also wrote about Isaiah Joe, if you want to check that out as well and uh, continue to listen to this podcast, even in the downtime, because as you can see, we still uh, come up with things to talk about. <laughs> go to the Stepien, go to the Athletic, go subscribe to the Athletic, keep me employed. I wrote about the Rich Paul rule, uh, as we talked about on the last podcast with Dieter. Rich Paul then came and did an op-ed for us, which uh, then led to the NCAA deciding to reverse the Rich Paul rule because they are just a bunch of nincompoops. Like that, That's what the NCAA is. The NCAA stands oh, for nincompoop. That, that's where we're at at this stage. Um, go subscribe to this podcast. Uh, you can uh, leave a rating, leave a review. Uh, let, let's take a let's take a quick look down review lane and see what we got here, Cole. I, I'm sure that we've got some uh, just just beautiful, beautiful ones here. Uh, let's see. Uh, Trey for MVP uh, on August 11th. Gave us this beautiful five-star review. This is probably the most informative basketball pod on the market. Cole and Sam really are the best in the business. And unlike most in the media are willing to say when they were mistaken about prospects. That all being said, if I have to hear one more word about baseball, I'll drive off a cliff. I like to live in a world where I can pretend that sorry excuse for a sport doesn't exist. Stick to basketball movies and anything else besides America's favorite ass time. Shout out to you tray for mvp i love that review so so much that's incredibly my brand too because i don't know jack shit about baseball i don't watch baseball i kind of confine myself to basketball and occasionally movie discussions i can talk about the nfl a little bit but baseball i, I just can't do it oh uh, just wait until we start making this an australian football podcast because <laughs> oh, oh boy it's coming in the next couple weeks uh, uh I, i'm actually so it's funny i'm gonna be on my honeymoon we're gonna pre-record some podcasts for me to potentially release during the honeymoon. Um, We'll see. I've been subtly informed that I am not allowed to take my laptop on the honeymoon for reasons (laughs) that are very valid and accurate. And I should never, ever do that. Um, So maybe I'll have someone else post the podcast at some point. But uh, we'll we'll have some content over the course of the next three weeks because I get married uh, here in like... 11 days and then after that um 
you know, go directly on the honeymoon and won't be back until mid December. So, or mid September, I'm sorry. I was so, like December. Jesus. No, <laughs> mid, mid September. So, uh, we'll just keep it locked here. I'm sure that we'll inform you what's going on with the podcast, but, uh, until next time we'll talk soon. Bye.